This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. Hi, this is Rob from Encircling Sea, and you're listening to The Mosh Pit on Sin. Rob Allen is guitarist and vocalist of Melbourne band Encircling Sea, whose new album, Harken, will be released on April 6th. They'll be also playing at Max Watts on May the 8th as part of Direct Underground Fest. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Let's talk a little bit about the, how the band got started first. Uh, we started about 2009. How did that all happen? Uh, very haphazardly. We... Um I was putting on a show for my friends Robotosaurus from Adelaide, um, who were touring with an American band called The Network, and um, I was organising a Melbourne All Ages show, and uh, they needed an opening band, um, and I just said, oh, well, I'll just organise something, and um, me and my friend Dace at the time, who started the band, had been talking about doing some sort of doomy drone project for a while. And we said, oh, let's just do that. Let's just, you know, figure something out and, and do a, do a set just for fun. And then we got our drummer, Matt, involved and um, it kind of became Encircling C. That way we wrote a song and had two jams and played the show and we were a band. Interesting. So, um, yeah, we'd been friends. Like, we're all been friends for a long time and uh, it was just kind of a... Um, you know, another thing to do together, something that we'd all loved stylistically for ages and just was an excuse to start another band (laughs) together really um and it has become something a fair bit larger than its humble beginnings i guess yeah you'd say so where'd the name come from um so encircling sea refers to um a term via which is actually my solo black metal project but the word itself comes from um jrr tolkien's um, stories about Arda and the Lord of the Rings stories. Um, so Via in his stories is an encircling sea that surrounds uh, some landmass and it is a place that fosters no life and it's a really desolate place where no one can sail ships or there's no sea life living and stuff like that. So um, that's where the name comes from, you know, what it's become to mean is a bit a fair bit different to that, but that's its, that's its origin, origin, I guess. For for us now, it more refers to um, you know being literally surrounded by ocean here in Australia, um, and being connected to nature in every way, shape, and form, whether that be you know materially or or spiritually. Nice. Talking about the album Harkin. When you start working on that, you released your last one in 2013. At what stage did you start writing material for this one? Oh, probably 2013. <laughs> <laughs> um, generally, I'm, by the time something's recorded and written, I'm generally a fair chunk of the way through the, whatever's coming next. So um, I'm pretty sure some of the songs on Harkin were started at least back in around 2013, 2014. Um in, in terms of working on them as a band, that came much later and then recording them even later. But, um, yeah, I'm constantly working on things. I might have songs for a year or two before 
we actually get into the rehearsal room and and work on them. So for you personally, how do you go about writing material? How, do you jam? Do you do you write down on paper? How does how does it work for you? Uh, for, for writing music, you mm. mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So writing music for me is just picking up the guitar and and playing. Um, never really with too much in mind. If I'm writing new songs, it's just trying to find riffs that suit whatever mood I'm in. Um, and, you know, I might sit down and go, okay, I'm going to write some Encircling Sea songs. That's about as specific as I'll get. So I, I know that I'm writing within the parameters of that band because I have a few projects. Um, I've obviously got to pick maybe where a riff is going, what project it's going into, or at least before I start playing guitar, I'm going, okay, I'm going to work on Encircling Sea songs or Via songs or something else. Um but usually it's not terribly specific. I just start writing riffs and try and write something that flows into that. And usually it's a lot based on whatever I'm going through or um, however I'm feeling at the time. So, you know, they, they might be happy, they might be sad, they might be quite angry. <laughs> um, it, re- it really just depends. It's always been an outlet for me to express myself. So I pick up the guitar and, and uh, play play away my woes. Fair enough. And how about the, the rest of the band? When do they come in and w- what does that look like? So, yeah, writing, f- forming the songs as a band is, is usually a, uh, a bit more specific. It'll be um, we get together in the, in the rehearsal room and um, I just play through the song, basically how I've written it, and um, we just start jamming it i'll just go oh this is what i was thinking in this part and this in this part and the drummer will just start playing kind of stuff that i suggest and then um you know editing it down to his style and working on you know bits and pieces and going oh that doesn't work and that bit's too long and you know we just we just edit it basically um and just play it until it feels right Mm, interesting I, I, I sometimes come to this question, but like in terms of feeling right for you, for the band, what is, what is that like? Is it some sort of something that you just feel listening to music? Is it some sort of quality of the music itself that could be measured objectively? What, what does that look like? It'd, it'd probably just be more about um, structure and, and timing. So it would be, does this part you know, go for long enough that it it gives the song enough time to, to breathe and for the vocals to happen, for the story to be told, or does it set up the next part well enough? Does it crescendo into the next part well enough? Does it bring the mood down? You know, it's just kind of just playing it until it's, yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. I guess it's an unspoken thing in a lot of ways, especially with some of the longer, more drawn-out sections and quieter sections often too or something that will just play based on feel so you know sometimes in the jam room we might play it for far longer than it is on the record or um you know how it would be when we do it live sometimes we're just enjoying it too much to stop playing it but um i I think this record more than the last ones is a bit more um precise and um certainly the songs are shorter um, so there's a little less room for that, but it's still the same pr- principle applies that we, we, we try and just 
make everything feel like it goes for long enough and not too long and not too short that it, you know, accurately kind of um, portrays what I've originally written in my bedroom or, you know, when I've been playing guitar. Listening to some of your previous material, there's really a real transformation in a number of different things. One, vocals are far more prominent. I think they're barely there in the first two. Two, obviously the tracks are split up um, far shorter than the 40 or uh, 50 or whatever minutes it was for the first two. Um, and also the music, I think it's sort of, as you, as you kind of said, it's more precise, particularly in this latest one. Can you talk a little bit about what's happened in the past, I don't know, what has it been, nine or so years that sort of moved <laughs> you along that direction? Yeah, I, th- I think when it started and we just we were playing long songs kind of to almost um, for the novelty of playing a long song, like when we recorded the the demo first album, I, it was... Um, the song length was kind of a running joke. <laughs> it was like trying to make it as long as possible just for the sake of it, like without being too absurd, but it is absurd when you listen back to it. It's just kind of long for the sake of being long. Um, like when we used to play that song, the very first album live, it only went for 20 minutes. And then, you know, the recording is 47 or something ridiculous. Um, and writing long songs at the time was just, I think, what needed to happen to get through all the riffs that I wanted to. The, the riffs that I was writing were really long, so if you played something four times, it was like three minutes later. <laughs> um, and I think that's just kind of gotten more concise in organically, not really in a sort of deliberate fashion where I've, I've gone, I want to write shorter songs, but it's just kind of happened. Um, I don't feel the need to to dwell on things as long and brood within the songwriting, I suppose. And um, the previous records, um, in a lyrical sense, had a little more to do with reverence and awe of nature and kind of that almost like silent worship and and a personal ritual within nature. So it was kind of my way of facilitating that through music was to write long songs so you could have periods of time to meditate on them. Um, and the new ones are, are probably a little more to the point and a little more aggressive because um, of a multitude of factors, but I guess in terms of their lyrical context, they're a, a bit more decisive and not so um, contemplative. Or con- con- Contemplative. There you go. <laughs> Back to sort of the album more generally now. Uh, in terms of the the name Harkin, wh- where does that come from? So um, I'll answer that in a little bit of a roundabout way, but mm. the the previous records have, have been about, as I was saying previously, about nature and kind of that reverence for nature, and particularly me finding my connection within it. And the last album of Forgotten Land was very particularly about me connecting to the natural world and it all kind of precipitated me leaving the city to move to the country and it was had a lot to do with that and this feeling of trying to find home um and i thought for me that purely was uh, you know home amongst the gum trees it was just out in the bush silent contemplation trying to you know find 
my life out there and build a family, and that's kind of where it stopped. And Harkin is a lot more to do with realising, um, particularly after having kids, which is something I've had two kids in the last five years. Um, for me, that it doesn't just stop with, you know, finding your place in the world and or your supposed place in the world and, and finding a place where you feel happy and just making a life. It actually depends a lot, and this is, I'm going to say for me, but probably more broadly for everyone to a connection to those that have come before you. So Harkin is, it speaks to, you know, calling back to your ancestors and connecting with your ancestors in the ways of old and, and the record deals with um, the rituals of, you know, my ancestors through thousands of generations. So they're, they're, they're spiritual manifestations of nature worship and, and fire rituals and stuff like that. And kind of my, it's my way of kind of figuring out how they found meaning in life so I can find some meaning too. And the album cover, like what, what's the meaning behind that? So the album cover is um, an oak leaf and the oak trees, um, particularly for my ancestors, I'm a British Isles child, pretty much through and through. I go, you know, my ancestry is Scotland, 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 pretty much. Um, you know, it's very European, very Anglo-Saxon. The oak tree is a very important spiritual tree um, for those uh, those ancestors of mine. Um, so I chose that tree because, and the, the leaf of it, it's, it's a beautiful image. Um, and it has a, a, a beautiful kind of lineage within the story of, um, you know, ancestral kind of ritual and uh, spiritual practice. Um, speaking of sort of symbols, the, the, the symbol that appears on your first album, I think in the top left, does that have any sort of particular meaning? Um, are you talking about the like um, drippy dotty type thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's just a band logo that says ES. Um, so that's just something that's been with us since we started in Circling Sea was an ES logo that I drew up. I thought so, but I wasn't quite sure. Uh, yeah, it's a little hard. It's a little hard to read, and I've never really ever explained it on a, in a public forum. So it just kind of is what it is. Um, uh, I don't use that symbol so much. It doesn't even appear on this record. Mm. It's been on everyone previous, I think. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of just the symbol that's been with us since we started. Mm. Um, sort of speaking broadly about like lyrical sort of concepts and sort of the themes kind of broadly, but like where, where, where does the lyrics come into the process and how do you go about writing them? Um, lyrics will generally come in once a song is pretty formed, at least for me on guitar. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be something that we've jammed as a band, but once I've kind of figured out, a rough structure on the guitar, I'll start to think about lyrics. And often that's, I may be just making sounds while I'm playing, um, or I may be sitting down and writing very intently about something very specific, but it, it's a lot. It's kind of a less organic process, but how it actually happens is quite organic. 
I think I have to sit down and think about what I'm going to write about for quite a long time. I have to do research into things to make sure I'm talking about the right stuff. But then when it's actually time to write it, I sit down and just it just comes out. And pretty much that's how it stays. So um, I don't do a great deal of editing, but <laughs> there's certainly some. Um, but I think there's a, quite a lot of preparation leading up to the point where I can feel comfortable enough to just blurt it out. Mm, that makes sense. Um, you'll be playing at Direct Underground Fest. Um, for a band like you who have had a lot of you know, long songs, um, you know, as you've sort of talked about, have a, some ideas of kind of uh, playing songs differently, like what, what does your set look like? So our set for Direct Underground will be a pretty general set now. I think we'll, depending on, I'm assuming I know the set length that we're going to get, um, but it will just probably be three songs off the album. We're not going to play any old songs at this point. Um, and the three songs that we're going to play, you know, pretty much fill half an hour quite perfectly. So with enough time to tune and make some noise between them and um, try and catch my breath for all of us try and catch our breath. But yeah, generally it's just, it's not, not a plethora of songs in our sets. And certainly it used to be that we'd only play one song live. Um, and then we got a bit more into the habit of playing two. Um, but now as the songs are a bit shorter, we can generally play maybe three or four. Mm, and that f- fills up a good half an hour to 45 minutes. So This is a question which I sort of still struggle to find a good way to ask. But, like, when you're on stage, what, what is it kind of that you feel you're doing? Um, like, what, what is it you think you do that will kind of make a gig successful? Um, I think just to, if we can create the right atmosphere and that the songs just work, then that'll be a successful gig. If we have anything, like if stuff stuff goes wrong, that will really throw the mood. The mood's kind of the main thing, I think, at least for me, um, and certainly for the rest of the band whenever we've played shows, although this these run of shows coming up is a pretty new lineup, but certainly in the past with um, the drummer and I, who are still the original members, we rely a lot on the mood being right. So that might be lighting. It might be, um, you know, a lack of lighting, having it very dark or having it candle lit or bringing our own lights or, um, you know, making just making sure the mood is right, making sure that our gear works because we've got a lot of pedals, multiple amps, stuff like that. The worst thing that can happen in a circling sea show is someone's amps stop working or, you know, if I break a string, I don't really have time to stop and, change it <laughs> so um so those things make it unsuccessful for me in terms of the crowd without dismissing them i don't really think about them that much um i hope that what we do can be can warrant them paying attention and you know if people pay attention and they applaud i'll be over the moon but i'm not expecting everyone anyone to start a mosh pit or um you know start headbanging. Most of our shows, people just kind of just stand there and gently nod their heads. And um, I think if we can capture 
the audience up in the mood that we're creating for ourselves on stage, then it's 100% been a successful show. What is your appreciation for nature um, and sort of your personal heritage come from? So then, the, how do I start that? <laughs> I guess it comes from feeling very lost. I lived in the city for a, a long time and kind of got to a point where I just felt no connection to anything. It was just very rootless. Um, I wasn't near my family. Um, I wasn't in nature very often. And all we seemed to do was, you know, go to gigs and go to pubs and go to work and just do things that really had no meaning whatsoever. So um, reconnecting with this kind of childish love of being in the outdoors came from that just being desperately bored of the city. Um, and that, in a broader context, kind of led to trying to figure out who, who I am and, you know, I think it was around the time of the last record I was turning 30 or I had turned 30, so often that's a period of crisis for many people. Um, and I, it just certainly was for me. I really didn't know who I was or where I was going or what I was doing. I was engaged and am now married and was thinking about having kids but didn't want to do it in the city and had decided to move out to the country and that had to be years away and the, the waiting to do that was driving me slightly insane. So um, getting out into nature and connecting with it kind of grounded me in a way. So that that was just an interest born out of necessity, I think. Um, and my personal heritage and connection to my ancestors and, and stuff had 100% come around from having kids and um, just – the craziness that that unleashes on your mind, I think, in a way of you kind of realise that you're just in, not in a depressing way, but you're part of a line that's thousands and thousands of years old. And um, I think we can all, all do a great service to ourselves to learn a little bit, at least, about where we come from no matter where it is that we come from. Where do you, when did you first start listening to heavy music? Oh, when I was a teenager. Um, just an angry teenager who <laughs> got into punk rock and hardcore and that just got heavier and heavier as I got slightly older. You know, I think I got right into grindcore when I was 16, 17 sort of thing and... Um, Certainly the sludge and the, the black metal came a bit later, but it's all kind of been going down the, the same track. It's like looking for a certain thing within music that only heavy music could provide me, I guess. Mm. But yeah, it's been somewhat of a, a lifelong obsession of mine. Mm. Uh, when did you start, first start playing the guitar? Around the same time. So just when I got into punk rock basically i was like i want to play guitar so i you know, had the tennis racket out and was practicing my strumming and chord changing and then then got uh, you know a three-quarter nylon string acoustic and covered it in stickers and played punk rock songs on it and eventually upgraded to a 
an electric by the time I was, I think, 16 or something. Um, yeah, and haven't really looked back. <laughs> and last question, when did you first start doing vocals? Um, that would be at the same time too, I think. Like, just getting into heavy music, you kind of, if you've ever been someone who gets into heavy music, you're fascinated by how the hell they make that sound. So, like, being someone who naturally wants to play music, I just feel like it's something that's in me. I have to, I have to do it. It's like, okay, this is not something I choose to do. It's something I have to do. So, singing was a natural extension of of that, and just getting into heavy music, I was like, oh, I want to make that sound. And you just hear vocalists all the time. I'm just like, how the hell did they make that sound? I want to learn how to do that. So I think it's just out of pure obsession <laughs> getting into that. But, yeah, probably around 16 as well I've been working on vocals, singing through my little guitar amp and driving my neighbours crazy. Circling C, new album Harkin, will be released on April 6th and they'll be touring, uh, playing in Melbourne at Direct Underground Fest on May 8th. Uh, Rob, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Mosh Pit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Mosh Pit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on SYN 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream SYN 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Samantha from Flash Gun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls School. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Olney of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Mosh Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1449. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Tips.